This episode is sponsored by Paleo Valley. Paleo Valley's meat sticks have been a lifesaver during this hot summer. Since they're shelf stable, I always have three Paleo Valley meat sticks in my bag at all times. It's also been perfect for my boys' lunch boxes. I love Paleo Valley's grass finished beef sticks and pasture raised turkey sticks because they support US family farmers that focus on regenerative agriculture. These meat sticks are from animals that have never been fed grains, soy, corn, or GMOs and have never been given antibiotics. The spices in these meat sticks are also 100% organic. The sticks come in five different flavors, and my favorite is the original beef stick, and my boys love the teriyaki beef sticks and the original pasture raised turkey stick. Paleo Valley's meat sticks are a perfect snack and, frankly, a great value without skimping on quality. Each stick is about $2 with our discount code, and it comes in a 10 pack bag. Make sure to support this podcast and head over to paleovalley.comslash CATG and use code CATG to get 15% off your first order. Thanks for listening and supporting the Cutting Against the Grain podcast. Laura and I are just going to be talking really candid. This is what this podcast is all about. It's one thing to say, I want to eat something else that's not meat. It's a whole other thing to say, you need to eat something else that's not meat. If you notice that you're jumping from diet to diet, at a certain point, you have to wonder the only common denominator is me. Get outside, go for a walk,、yeah. get some vitamin D, breathe some fresh air, and stay happy and healthy and, and take care of yourselves. Let's just have some real talk. <laughs> Welcome to the Cutting Against the Grain podcast. Welcome back to the Cutting Against the Grain podcast. My name is Laura Spath, and I am joined by my friend and co host, Judy Cho. And we are super excited to talk to you guys today.、Um, we actually have been catching up for the last hour and just didn't even record. So we got to record an episode in here, too.、Um, we want to talk today a lot about, I think, weight loss in general. Obviously, that's something that I have a lot of history with and like to try to help. I think it's also like a sticking point for a lot of people. There's just so many questions of like, The best way to lose weight. What do I have to eat a certain fat protein ratio? Like, what do I, what about ketones? And so I think the ketones part of it, we have other episodes that we've really kind of talked about weight loss and all the different levers that you could pull. But I know I get asked daily about what my ketones are. If I'm in ketosis, does it matter? I know that the Dr. Boz ratio, which we're going to explain what that is, has been talked about a lot. And it's just been like a new topic in the carnivore keto ish community.、Um, and so we want to talk about that today.、Um, I think Judy's going to explain some things. I have, like, I can share a lot of my personal experience as far as like my weight loss and ketones and when, what they are and when they are and like how that's kind of affected me. But I think hopefully this will hopefully set your mind at ease. And I think, like, everything we discuss here, there's just so much context around it.、Right. And it's not just this simple thing to say, like, this is what your ketones should be in order to lose weight. It's really not that simple. And, and we're going to try to discuss as much context today as possible. Yeah. And I think where carnivore is a little bit different than a true therapeutic keto diet is that in order to Have high ketone numbers, you can't eat a lot of protein. And if anybody does like a lean protein day, they'll see their blood glucose go up. And it's typical that、uh, a person that eats a high meat diet, that their blood sugar will be higher than somebody that's on a true therapeutic keto diet. And so there are nuances with this stuff. Can you say too, before we get into、yeah. ketones, like, Just explain that a little more. And I know people are concerned about blood sugar. Like, my blood, is it, were you supposed to say blood sugar or blood glucose? Or is it the same thing? It's blood glucose, but、okay. I think we. Yeah. So my blood glucose, right, when I check it in the morning, a lot of carnivores are the same as me, where it's maybe in the high 80s, 90s. You might even like have it be 100 when you wake up in the morning.、Uh, after I eat, it's gonna, it stays pretty much the same. But unless I'm doing、um, fasting for more than 24 hours, my、um, blood glucose does not go below, I would say, 85. Like it probably stays、right. between the 85 to 95 range most of the time and even might be. In the high 90s. And that's just if I'm eating two meals a day, decent amount of protein. I don't really measure ratios, but I feel like that's pretty typical for a lot of carnivores. And sometimes they get concerned about that 
or they're told that that's, you know, high. Um, can you just talk briefly about what you see with that and why maybe I shouldn't be scared of that? When we're on a ketogenic diet, our glucose typically falls. If you've been doing it for a really long time, there's people that on average will be in the 60s. So then we start hearing 70s are beautiful to have. And then when you go into carnivore, all of a sudden, the number one common thing is my blood sugar is going up, my insulin's going up, what is going on, I'm no longer really in ketosis. And people start getting really concerned. I've done several interviews with Dr. Bickman, Dr. Paul Mason, and a bunch of other carnivore doctors or people in the low carb space. And they really say that it's not really the issue of your blood glucose being high, but rather the highs and lows of your glucose. So if you're having these crazy swings, that means that insulin is being used and utilized. And then the crazy swings of insulin from your swings of blood glucose is the issue. So Dr. Bickman says, I don't care if you're, I think he said 105 or maybe 110 even in my interview with him. But he says, as long as it's consistently at that part, I wouldn't worry too much. Our A1C is measured by the life of your red blood cell. And typically people that are on low carb diets, the red blood cell will live longer. And um, and then it could be a false number that your A1C looks higher because it's living longer. And so therefore more sugar can accumulate in the longer period. The average amount of time is about three months, but maybe if you're in a ketogenic carnivore state, you're, maybe your blood sugar is lasting for four months. So it really, or your red blood cells. So it really depends on the context. That said, I still think from my carnivore clients that some amount of ketones, I feel that people fare better when they do show some amount of ketones. And I have a lot of clients that say, I can't get past 0.1 or 0.3 in the morning. And I think that's where then I will start to uh, use a therapeutic keto approach of carnivore, where we drop a little bit of the protein and then increase the fat. For my clients, it's not necessarily just weight loss, but it could help with weight loss, but it can also help with a lot of the healing that the body needs in a ketogenic state. Yeah, I think ketones can be a really good indicator of, you know, if you're eating too often, um, if you're eating too much maybe you are eating too much protein in one sitting and then that huge, um, you know, glucose spike and the ketone drop will, will show you that it also is a good indicator of just consistency. You know, that those one little treats here and there, the keto treats, the, you know, the chips and salsa that you have on a Friday night once a week, well, that's actually going to like mess up your ketones for the entire week to show. Yeah. You think it's like no big deal. It's like a popsicle or whatever. Then it really though is taking you three or four days to get back into ketosis after that. And so I think we went through this cycle a couple of years ago where this competition for the lowest blood sugar, highest ketones was super important. And, you know, I think, I think thankfully we're not really there anymore, but people are now concerned with like, what is, what are my ketones supposed to be? And so I'm a big believer in like having ketones. That's important. It's important, number one, for your energy levels, people who are spending their time like half in or half out of ketosis, like if you are at 0.1 and 0.2, I personally feel pretty terrible if I am not in ketosis or if I'm at like 0.1 or 0.2 on my, we're talking about like on a ketone blood meter that, that reads your ketones. Um, and if you're not using this to read, my point would be like, if you're half in and out of ketosis, so you're not super consistent Um, and you're not in deep ketosis for me, my energy levels really drop. I'm much more tired. I'm more like just achy, like your body's almost in like constant keto flu if you're not super strict. And so, um, this is kind of one of those things that goes back to like with keto and carnivore consistency matters so much, not only for weight loss, but also just for your health, for healing your energy levels. Like you can't be having small treats every other day or a couple times a week and expect to get any of the benefits from keto or carnivore. Um, and so while I'm not passionate anymore on saying you have to be hundred percent strict with every single thing you eat, you can't be 10% into carb sugar land and 90% carnivore because you're not going to be getting any of the benefits of the carnivore. And, and a lot of that is by not having any ketones at all. So yeah. Yeah. This conversation is super nuanced. So when we have clients come work with us, They've been doing carnivore for a few months and their energy is not good. 
they're maybe stalling in their weight. And so the first thing we have them do is check their glucose and ketone levels because we need to know, are you still insulogenic or are you now in a therapeutic keto state? And we only do that because they've tried the way of just removing the carbs and eating the meats they enjoy. And I think if you can do that and you lose weight just doing it that way, then you don't have to worry about all of the things that we're bringing up. But once you're stalling, once your weight stalls, once you're not feeling as good, once you're not sleeping as well at night, I think that's where maybe taking a closer look at your blood glucose plus your ketones is super important. And I'm going to explain a little bit of the science around that. So if you ever had a keto mojo, or if you've ever followed the keto advocates that talk a lot about why ketosis is so important, and the numbers, they talk about this number called the GKI or the glucose ketone index. And basically what that is saying in a very simple way is it's doing some type of mathematical thing where it looks at your glucose levels and it looks at your ketone levels. And based on those two markers alone, they can kind of determine on a moment by moment basis what your insulin is doing. And if your number is not ideal, I think Keto Mojo always shows you the GKI, but if the number is not ideal, then your insulin's probably higher and that's why your ketones are lower. Therefore, when one of my clients isn't feeling well and they wake up in the morning and their blood sugar is in the mid 90s and their ketones are in 0.1, I know that we need to improve their uh, GKI because essentially their insulin is still high and that's why they are not getting the full benefits. Now, if you are brand new to carnivore, I wouldn't worry about these things. It's just you have to try it where you're removing all carbs and being consistent. And then if it's still truly not working, that's when I think these levers are super important. Yeah, this is one of those things that we often say of like, if you're if there's no problems, don't go looking for one. Like you right. don't need to go out and get a bunch of tests and buy a meter and all these things. If you're like steadily losing weight, if you're feeling good, if everything's going right, like don't worry about it. This is just a tool that you could utilize um, in order to help with that. And I think, I think that having higher ketones is helpful. I also think we run into this trap of thinking that like, again, this is not a competition of like who has the highest ketones and higher is not always better. I operate very well on a day-to-day basis. And I check mine a lot just from personal, let's not even talk about the money that I've spent on keto, (laughs) keto blood strips. Um, but I think when I check mine on a daily basis, if I'm eating two meals a day, which is pretty standard for me, um, then most of the time I have like 0.5 ketones. So 0.5, 0.6, 0.4. I have my app open right now on my phone and I'm scrolling back. My blood glucose is usually in the mid eighties, right? I have like 87.5. That's a great, those are pretty standard numbers for me when I wake up in the morning, if I've been eating two meals a day. Now, according to this GKI ratio, that's technically not ketosis, right? 0.5, because my blood glucose is 87, that technically wouldn't be in ketosis. I feel great with 0.5 and 87. So like, I'm not that concerned. The counter to that is if I am fasting, which I do still occasionally do a fast. Um, This past week, I did a 48 hour fast for the first time in probably a month or so. The minute I go past that 24 hours, my ketones start going up and my blood glucose starts going down. And that doesn't really happen for me until I hit that like 28, 36 hour mark. Um, and by the end of my 48 hour fast, I'm much more in like a, you know, I would say at like 36 hours, I'll hit like 0.8, 1.1 and my blood glucose starts going down again. This time when I did a 48 hour fast, my highest was like 1.3 and I was at a 74. So again, that's like a, you know, moderate level of ketosis. If I were to keep going beyond that, which I have not done in a very, very long time, my ketones would again improve, my glucose would go down, but I'm not really looking to me. There's no benefit for me anymore to go. Like, I'm not trying to force higher than that. Like that's a really awesome ketones. But I say all this to say, if you're coming from keto and you're now going carnivore, I have people message me all the time and say like, my ketones are like, I can't get them to go over 1.0 or they're at 0.8. This is how do I make them go higher on carnivore? Like I would say, that's why are you trying to get them higher? There's no reason for me personally. So mine are fine. The only way mine go higher is if I'm like fasting longer and I'm not really concerned about it. 
Yeah. So let's talk about the numbers so that it, there's context. Um, yeah. Most providers, I say, would say that if you have 0.5, you're in a state of ketosis. Anything under 0.5 millimolars over liters, I think, um, is not considered really being in ketosis. You have ketones, but it's not the same as if being in ketosis. Now, there's some people that say, no, you should be at least have 1.0 to be in therapeutic ketosis where you can possibly tap into autophagy and things like that. I like to test my ketones as soon as I wake up. Now, I've talked to Dom, Dr. Dom Augustino and a lot of the ketones keto advocates that say, maybe it's better to test between lunch and dinner or between two of your meals where you haven't eaten in several hours. And that would be a true marker of your ketone levels. They say that the morning ketones are lower, but I like to test it in the morning because no matter what you have fasted over the night and it's a consistent number that I like to look at. And I don't like to look in the middle, especially if I've, let's say snacked at all. Whichever time you do it, just as long as you're consistent to see how your numbers uh, typically trend. But if you are trying to eat this way to heal metabolic syndrome, or let's say you have autoimmune and you're trying to heal some of those areas, and you're now stalling on carnivore and nothing's really working, you're not feeling the benefits that you've heard on the internet, then I think you should look into your ketones. And I think having at least 0.5, and then if not 1.0 is ideal. And I wanted to talk about your GKI number. Um, the Dr. Boz ratio, she told me that her mother needed to be in super, super therapeutic keto because her mom had cancer. And the best way to support mm. the autophagy of cleaning up any cancer cells and rejuvenating it with healthy cells is for her to be in a very, very therapeutic autophagy state. And in your numbers, even though your app said 87.5 over 0.5, so 87 of the glucose and the 0.5 of the ketones is not ideal um, based on Dr. Boz's ratio. So she just says that if the simple math is put the glucose on top, divide it by the ketone number, and then anything under 80 with that result would be that uh, weight loss should happen normally if you're under 80 and that you might have some level of autophagy. And then if that number is under 40, then that would be uh, you're pretty much in autophagy and your immune system will be supported. And then anything under 20 is the best chances of autophagy. And then it's probably best for people that are suffering with cancer. And so to put that in perspective for you, your 73 over 1.8 is at 40. So you would be in the solid Dr. Boz ratio. So she says that most of her patients would lose weight if they're under that 80 uh, number. And I did a little bit of the math beforehand. So if you had blood glucose of 100 in the morning, and then ketones of 0.1, that number is 1000. So obviously, then maybe that's one of the reasons you're not losing weight. If you had a blood sugar of 100, but your ketones are 1.5, that would put you at 67. So that's where you probably will lose weight. Mm. And and then if your blood sugar is 90, and your ketones are 1.1 in the morning, that puts you at 82. So you're like right there where maybe you need to uh, be in a little bit more of a ketogenic state. But all to say, it's not really the keto number you're chasing, because it also depends on your glucose number. But if you are not healing on a carnivore diet, again, I think this is where measuring your glucose and ketones, essentially, those two factors will determine how much your insulin is active or not. Yeah. And I think too, that chasing the ketones there, you can artificially inflate your ketones and lower your blood glucose pretty easily. I mean, obviously, you could drink ketone drinks that would do that for you. But you also could just eat a bunch of fat and eat almost no protein. And then your ketones are going to skyrocket and your blood glucose is going to go down and you're eating a ton of fat. And so you might not lose weight after that either. And you're not getting adequate protein. And so, you know, it is important to know what this these numbers mean, but it's also more important to know what they mean in context with what you're doing. And I'm just right. such a huge proponent of like making small adjustments you don't have to hear this ratio and hear these num- and find out what your numbers are and realize that you're not in the weight loss ratios and then make some huge swing in your fat to protein ratio. It really is more about like making small changes. Like what is a small change that will have a, a large impact? And I, I keep saying this because I have somebody I've been coaching, like not coaching, I don't, but like family member who I'm like <laughs> shaking to say, 
stop eating chips and salsa once a week. It is the smallest possible change that you can make that's going to have the biggest impact. Like you don't need to change up your fat to protein ratio. You don't have to increase your fasting. You don't have to adjust all of these crazy things in your life. Just stop eating chips and salsa once a week. That one small thing is going to have a huge impact on you. Maybe it's your cream and your coffee in the morning. You know, maybe it's like, what's the small thing that you can make adjustments for and then adjust that first and then go to the next one and go to the next one and make smaller changes to let them add up to bigger results versus trying to like radically change something that then is going to make you sticking to this harder. Cause I could do something really extreme and have amazing numbers across the board, but I can't stick to that. And then it's going to cause me to fall off the wagon. And so I agree. I love the numbers for me, if anything, I don't track ketones for any reason other than the fact that it keeps me accountable. It's like, it makes me, I can't lie to the numbers because I know what I'm eating. I mean, you can like, I just kind of said the opposite, but like you can manipulate those numbers, but like, it's an accountability tool for me where I know that even on carnivore, if I'm snacking all day long, if I'm eating way too late, like those numbers will not lie. And I love checking my numbers before I go on a trip like vacation. And when I come home as just like an accountability to myself to know that like, I have to, I'm, you know, keep myself, it keeps me on track a lot of times to be honest. But you said this earlier, if you're going to obsess about it, like it's not worth, you know, there's a lot of other ways that you can know what, what's working for you or not, like without having to worry about these numbers. But yeah, if I'm being honest with my clients, most of them, if I get them to be able to eat 50 grams of protein in a meal, and that's the protein grams within a meat. So it's not just 50 grams of meat. But if I get them to eat 50, 60 grams of meat, plus maybe 70 to 80% fat in terms of total calories, and they only have two meals a day, and then they don't really eat much outside of that window, they're not drinking other drinks um, that maybe has stevia in it that will trigger their blood sugar or insulin. And there are studies that show that while stevia may not show up in your glucose monitor, it may impact your insulin, which then may impact your ketone levels. Now, again, if your markers show otherwise, then maybe that drink's fine. But typically, if I see my clients and they're honest with me, and they show that they eat two square meals that are carnivore, even if they add like a smidge of uh, steamed veggies, Generally, they are in a good ketogenic state. Maybe they're not going to have above 1.0, but at least they'll have 0.5 and their blood sugars will start to come down. I think it's when in our carnivore space where we say, as long as it's carnivore, our diet's fast mimicking and you can eat all of the meat that you want until you're full. But if you're grazing all day long, you will stimulate insulin all day long. And And I think that is where the issue is. So I would, before even going through this, I'm going to track all my glucose and ketones. If you are not eating just two to three square meals, not snacking, not sipping on creams all day long, and use that as a lever first before considering then tracking your glucose and ketones to get overly stressed. One thing I do want to bring up is the things that inhibit autophagy to happen. So this is basically what will stop ketosis. And one thing is mTOR. So mTOR is what inhibits autophagy, they basically are complete opposites. And there's several things that activate mTOR. So one thing is protein, if you're eating a lot of protein, it will inhibit autophagy. And I think that's where the original keto folks aren't super for a lot of protein. Now in our carnivore space, we have shown that if you eat square meals and with a good amount of fat, you can still be in a ketogenic state. You just got to be smart with the fat amounts and protein. And that's where I'm all about moderate protein with high amounts of fat. And I know I should define that, but I'm not going to. The other (laughs) things that are, uh, because I think it's so nuanced. So I don't want to say a specific. I I totally agree with you. I'm on the same page. I think that that's, (laughs) I don't like giving out ratios to people because then they try to mimic those ratios when that's not the right ratio for them. And there's too much Like you have to make those small adjustments to find the ratio that's going to be right for you. And then the other thing is, um, so mTOR can be if you're having too many calories. So even if you are eating a zero carb diet and you're grazing all day long on jerkies and cheese, which those things are higher in calories, um, a fat bomb of just butter and I don't know what else people make it with these days, maybe cream, those things are very high in calories. And all of those things can inhibit you from being in a ketogenic state that you can um, activate autophagy. And then the other ones are obvious, it's the carbs and the insulin levels. And if 
mTOR, what ends up happening is if it's activated, it basically directs your body to store energy in your cells. And so therefore you won't lose weight. Therefore you won't be healing. That's why it is so important for us to lower our insulin levels. It's not just lowering the glucose. It's so when people get scared of the glucose in the carnivore space, it's not just that it's also looking at your ketones. And I know there's a lot of advocates that say, don't look at ketones, but when it's not working, it's a tool that you can use to see if you can further heal. Yeah. And you could have like, you could be eating sticks of butter or you could be eating, um, you know, tons of fat and very low protein and your ketones are going to be very high and your glucose is going to be really low. And this Dr. Boz ratio, the GKI ratio, like all of these numbers are showing perfect and you're not losing any weight. And it's likely just because you're eating way too much. Those calories add up so fast. Right. I could eat and eat and eat and eat fat. And I know for some people it's satiating. I am somebody who is satiated by volume. I need volume in my stomach and I don't just like get super satisfied after eating a little bit of fat. And my, I'm just hung. I can keep eating until I get a certain volume in my stomach, which is why I need like a decent amount of protein and then adding lever, the fats, the lever, right? Like you need enough protein to be able to like fill my stomach is what I'm looking for personally. And so you could be having perfect numbers, but still just be way overeating and then not actually losing weight. So it's, it's good information. I think it's an awesome accountability tool to use ketones to know like, Oh, the, keto treat that I had, like that's on the package. It's, you know, says it's approved or this person told me that it was not going to raise my blood sugar or this, you know, it's, it says keto. So it's fine. I think there's a huge wake up moment for people when they track their um, blood glucose or their ketones after eating some of that stuff, or how much is your morning coffee with the cream affecting you? Huge importance. Um, but again, the, the numbers, I think, it's a good accountability tool, but it doesn't necessarily, it's not always the perfect answer, I guess, because you can still have issues even with great numbers. Yeah. There was a period where, yes, yes. No, no, no. I totally get it. Uh, There was a, there was a period where people were eating or recommended to eat 90% fat in terms of total calories. So basically you're drinking fat all day long or sipping soup fat. And I worked with a lot of those people and that period, there was a lot of people that were coming to me with thyroid issues. And they said, I did the super, super high fat. That's even beyond ketogenic markers of fat. And they were doing really bad. So they were losing their hair and a lot of other things. And the reason is you can't do high fat without protein long-term because without protein, you don't have the the building blocks to support your entire body. The thyroid hormones need protein to be produced. So I think when we just use a lever of ketones and just focus on that marker or the Dr. Boz ratio or the GKI, that is a mistake because if you eat insufficient protein, you're not supporting your muscle mass. Now I know that keto can be muscle sparing, but it's to a certain extent. I mean, you still need to support your body with enough meats and proteins because that is the building block of your body. And if you're not getting enough, I guarantee you, you're going to start seeing issues with your thyroid and even losing muscle mass. And that's where I think a lot of people do keto for a short while. They feel super satiated. They never really eat. They probably lose a ton of weight. And then they say the diet didn't work and they had all these thyroid issues. Yeah, because you're not eating enough meat. You're probably not eating enough. And you were under eating and stressing your body out to a point that that was never meant to be the case for you. Yeah, I a thousand percent agree with that. And then I also think on the flip side, this high protein, low fat doesn't work long-term either because your hormones, we're going to, I think maybe next week we talked about talking about, we're going to go revisit hormones. And so we'll talk more about fat for that, but you need fat for uh, energy. You need fat for good health. You need fat for a lot of things. You can't live on lean protein long-term. And so, you know, either one of these extremes, you and I have both been like, so uh, open about being against and like finding this like balance where you're getting enough protein and getting enough fat. And it's like a weird mix of like trying to figure out the right ratio for you. But you know, your body needs both of these things for adequate health. And I think when you, that's why for me, when I have a 0.5 ketones, 0.7 ketones, and my blood glucose is in the eighties, like that's the perfect place for me to be for like daily life for maintenance. I have great health. I'm not gaining weight. I'm not like 
you know, if I want to lose weight, I'll throw in a fast occasionally, which is going to bump up those numbers and I drop a couple pounds. But like my daily life, I'm not shooting for super high ketones. Um, I just know that like being in that 0.5 range is what's where I'm going to feel good um, and where I'm going to get the best just daily life benefits. So when you see people in your community that say, and because I, I get this a lot in my clients of no matter how much I check my ketones, the number is 0.1 or 0.2. What, what is your typical like first recommendation to them? I, I mean, I would say fasting, but I always try to find out how much they're eating first, because I right. think people who are under eating, I wouldn't encourage them to just start fasting. Um, and then also, obviously there's always this caveat of like your personal history with food, but like, sure. um, and, and kind of disordered eating of any kind, but normally it's to say, you know, how long have you been doing this? For somebody like Chris and um, and my mom, both of them were diabetic. They had a like sugar builds up in your liver. Um, I think it's your liver, right? Sugar and your pancreas and all those places like sugar is built up in there, and so you can like lower your daily. Like my mom and Chris were not able to really lower their blood glucose to an, a normal level, even though they were eating zero carbs. They were eating zero carbs. Mm-hmm for months and months and months, but they could not get off their diabetic medication. They could not get their blood glucose down until they started doing the Dr. Jason Fung method of 36 hour fast. You have to fast for 36 hours in order for your body to start burning stored glucose, the fatty liver stuff, the like really deep diabetic pancreas insulin stuff, that kind of stuff. Uh, and the same thing with like, then your ketones aren't going to go higher because you are still, when your body is not fasting, first of all, you're kind of accessing this food that you're eating, but then your body is like burning stored sugar that you still have. And so you're still in this like sugar burning mode when you haven't fasted long enough to like get, get that out of your system. And so that has to happen first. Um, but I would try to make sure that I would see like, how much are you eating? Are you being consistent? Like what else are you eating? That's not meat. How many times a day are you eating? So I would ask a few questions first, but I don't, I fasting is you, if, if all of those things are fine, then I would, you know, like I would recommend fasting. Yeah. I think that's really good. If Chris and your mom were my clients, I would do the same thing in terms of figuring out what they're eating. Um, I, I do think there's a way to get in a ketogenic state without fully fasting, but it does require more like just two solid meals, maybe even OMAD, and then dropping the protein a lot. And even to a level temporarily where it may not be ideal for a long-term carnivore diet, but it's because the insulin is so high, we need to do drastic measures right. to drop it. And in order to get in a therapeutic ketogenic state, dropping your protein amounts is beneficial And that's where I mentioned in the book, Carnivore Cure, I brought up that if people are eating way more meat than they need, so let's say they're eating four pounds of meat and they don't really need it, I don't think they'll ever be in a state of ketosis or in benefits of autophagy because their mTOR is so activated that they may not feel the benefits. I have had clients where I've told them you're eating way too much protein for your own body, but especially the men, they don't like hearing that. Yeah. I'm Chris probably falls in that. I don't know if he does or not. I mean, he eats like two pounds. Like he sits down, he just, he still does one meal a day. That still works really well for him. He's able to sit and eat a lot, like a couple pounds of steak at once. Um, and then that works for him. But I mean, again, because he doesn't have any negative issues, he's, right. um, healed his diabetes, type two diabetes. He's, you know, his A1C is still normal. Like all of these things are great. So he's really not going to like go down the rabbit hole of like trying to figure out if, like if there's a better way of doing it because everything's working great for him right now. Right. Um, but kind of to the first thing that you were saying is just knowing that you don't have to, like you said, there's an alternate to fasting. I, I come from this world and my, and Chris and my mom all come from this world of like an overeating background. We want to eat a lot of volume. It's easier for us. Like if I'm going to start eating, I'm not going to stop until I'm full. And so for me, fasting was the lever for that. It's easier for me to not eat than to eat a small amount. But if you have somebody who's under eaten for a long period of time, who's malnourished in some way, or who comes from a background of restrictive eating, then like you said, here's an alternate 
way of doing things that could help get you the same end results. But like, to me, trying to do that way that you mentioned sounds torturous when to somebody who comes from a different background, doing it my way sounds torturous. Like you're literally starving yourself. Like, you know, that, I think that shows how there's two very different methods that could work for the same end result, depending on your context. And that is a way of like figuring out, you got to figure out what works better for you. Yeah. I mean, I have clients that will say I'd rather fast than do lean protein days and that um, lean protein days are torturous. They'd rather just fast and that's easier for them. So I completely agree. I think this is where um, it really, really is so individualized. And that's why I, I am a fan of having ketones in the sense of at least just 0.5. And when people aren't at 0.5, then I think it's, we need to work on the macros. And then when they tell me that they're just eating the two meals, they're eating the exact macros I recommend. um, I honestly get stumped because when I dial in my diet that cleanly, I have close to one all the time. And I generally have higher ketones, even though my blood sugar runs a little bit higher. Those people, I really my next guess is for them to just honestly fast, but they're not people that want to fast. So then I do get stumped a little bit because again, they're eating just two square meals supposedly, and they're eating higher fat yet their ketones are 0.2. I mean, this is where I don't believe people, but you have, you see people who are like, have real issues that are, I I'm dealing with that myself, right. people like I'm, I don't coach people obviously, but like I would be a liar in that situation personally, but other people have much more complex health issues than me. So I would never make that judgment on somebody else, but it is, it is difficult to know what to do. And in that situation, at some point they're going to have to do something that they don't want to do. I mean, like I keep saying you have to find a way to make this work for your life, but I can't eat cupcakes and make it work for my life. Like at right, some point right. I have to do stuff that I don't want to do, but within the fact of like, what's still working for me. So that, that person is going to have to like push a lever. Yeah. They'll have to do something, right. They have to do something to make them uncomfortable. And I agree with that. I mean, so paleo medicina is in Hungary and they have a lot of papers where they release a clinic just for people that, sorry, that for people that don't know, that's like a clinic and a paleo medicina is a place where they treat cancer patients using keto and stuff, but yeah. Yes. And they do an animal base for, so they're a carnivore, but a very therapeutic. And I've talked to people and I have a few clients that have also worked with them and they are very, very low in their quantities of protein. So people are in super, super therapeutic levels of ketosis and they do not allow you to eat a lot of meat. And so that's where I think long-term I don't honestly see eye to eye with them. Um, but they're trying to heal people from cancer. Theirs is like, a, it's, I mean, do they yes, recommend true. that people eat this way long-term or is this a, you were just diagnosed with cancer. We need to treat this. You should eat this way while you're going through cancer treatment or something. So I know one person that has cancer and he's been eating their way for a year and a half. And I mean, he honestly told me he struggles because he feels hungry all the time. And I Mm -hmm. said, I don't think adding a little bit more protein is going to risk anything. But I honestly think that person ended up just starting to eat fruit, but that was their decision. Yeah. But um, so I think that what paleo medicina does instead, or what they call PKD is they end up recommending that every single bite because your protein count is so low is that for every single bite, it better be the best bite. And so they recommend a lot of organ meats for that reason of you have some muscle meats, but you make sure to eat bone marrow, you make sure to eat some liver, you make sure to eat other organ meats so that every bite has the most nutrients possible. And it makes sense again. But long term, my concern is you start seeing these people look overly thin right? Um, it's a little bit of that vegan look because they're under eating protein so much. And yes, yeah. they're in a very therapeutic state, but at what cost? Yeah, I think that's definitely, I mean, when I, without intentionally realizing it right back in 2019, I had lost all that weight so fast and, um, my hair was starting to fall out. And then I, I went, I was doing keto and I, then I had switched to carnivore and I was so worried about like, keto macros on carnivore that I went back and looked and I was eating like 35, 40, 45 grams of protein a day. And obviously I lost a lot of weight, but like, no wonder my hair was falling out because I was really under, I was just under eating in general at that point too. Um, And I think that's why now my ketones are not higher normally because I'm not, I'm eating meat and I'm adding butter to it. 
but I'm also just, I'm not forcing in a lot of fat. I don't eat a lot of excess fat. I mean, you, you'd think like I'm eating a steak and I add some butter to it, but maybe it's like a filet or something. And I'm putting a bunch of butter on top of it, or I'm eating shrimp and butter and I'm eating protein and butter and maybe like bacon and eggs or something. But, um, because I'm not consuming tons of excess fat, that's why I think my ketones don't go much higher than 0.5. Now, because I just did this 48 hour fast, you know, I ate yesterday, like two meals and then they'll stay higher for a while, like for the next week or so, they're going to stay more at like 1.0 or 0.8. And like, it's going to take a couple of, you know, a week or two for them to go back down to like being daily at 0.5. And then usually like a couple weeks later, I do another fast again. That to me, that's so much, that's, this is not what we're talking about today, but like, that's the lever that I pull is the fasting lever, just because it's the easiest one for me. I don't want to deal with fat to protein. I want to eat what I want to eat. I want to just eat what, how much I want to eat. And then it's easier for me just to like take a break and not eat and lever all of those things that I need to need to adjust and keep my weight in check by doing all those things. But I definitely can tell a difference in my ketones that way. Yes. The fasting method that you're using is basically to get your Dr. Boz ratio or the GKI at a better state so that you are reducing your insulin level. So yeah. it, it just goes back to, you can do it where you only do that a few times a week, or you do it uh, where all day you're trying to manage your macro so perfectly so that you're in that state. So people have to do what works for them. For me, I just to clarify, just sorry, a few times a month, a couple times a month. I'm not, yeah, I wouldn't (laughs) recommend people do that much fasting. I did it before I spent time in my life fasting multiple 48 hour fasts a week. And I would not suggest people do that now. Um, so a couple times a month, just to make sure that's clear. Yes. I believe she said, as long as you're in some level of ketosis, some amount of time in the week, that's ideal. Now, depending on your health, it's, um, you should be in it more. But when I was in keto, my, when I was eating a ketogenic diet, uh, without meat, my ketones were in the four, five, six, and, and my glucose was in the sixties or or not sixties, probably low seventies. But now my blood glucose is always, um, in the low nineties, but my ketones are still typically 1.0. And I'm fine with that because um, um, I know when I first started carnivore, that worried me of, whoa, there's such a stark difference. But I do feel healthier eating meat. And I don't struggle with uh, binges that I used to have on a ketogenic diet. And I don't struggle with my depression. And so if this is working for me, I am going to do this. I do like to do an extended fast once a year. But that's also because of my disordered eating. I can't do alternate day fasting. Yeah. And I think just knowing and understanding your ketones and your blood glucose within the, within these ratios that we've mentioned, or just within context with each other, know what they are first, before you start going to have goals of what you think they should be like, know what they are first. And then just like, know what they are in relation to how you're eating, right? Eat that way for a couple of days, make us make one small adjustment, cut out that morning coffee and cream and like, see what happens to your numbers just don't fall into this trap of chasing high ketones, low, low glucose, like higher, lower, like these extremes are not better. There is this perfect ratio for you. That's going to help you lose weight, help you lower your blood sugar, reverse your type two diabetes. Like, but it's not going to be this, you know, extreme of super high, super low. Like you really don't have to be that extreme in order to find success. Yes. I mean, Dr. Boz shares all the time on her, I think it's her Instagram page where she's out of her ideal ratios all the time or her ideal numbers. She'll show a marker of a hundred or, or her score of a hundred or a score of a thousand or a score of 900 something. And it just shows you the real life that you cannot be in a ketogenic state all the time, especially if you're eating a good amount of protein. So I wouldn't harp on such a at the score alone, but it's really take an inventory of what you're eating. Yeah, absolutely. And I think I just want to reiterate what you just said is like, I don't think I'm certainly not in ketosis hundred percent of the time I eat Same a big me. meal two hours later, I probably have 0.1 or 0.2 ketones. Like I'm definitely not in ketosis because I ate a great meal. 
this misconception of like my blood glucose should never move or my ketones should always be high. Like those are just completely, I think if you're focused on that, then you're going to be doing nothing but eating fat and you're not going to be getting enough protein and you're, it's okay for your glucose to move. This CGM experiment that people are showing all the time on social media, like, yeah, you don't want it to spike up to 150 and then crash back down again. Like if you're eating bread or, or, or cornflakes or whatever it is. But it's okay. It's great if after a meal it goes up to 120 and then comes back down in a, in a normal amount of time, back down to 100, or it goes from 80 to 105, back down again. Like that's a very normal yes. flow. Um, I, I think you were the one who told me, like, isn't 25 points like what's considered normal? I think even up to 30, 35 points is fine as long as it's um, comes down relatively quickly. And it, if it doesn't move at all, if your blood sugar drops, that's still a sign of blood sugar dysregulation. It doesn't mean that it's just, if it goes up, that it's, there's something wrong. It's also, if it goes down, that it's wrong too. If there's just no movement at all, it, that's just not as common, I guess. Um, but yeah, I I don't think those are not, you, your glucose can move. Like those are not limiting weight loss for you, right? Like it's, I think those, yes, it's, it's just knowing like where, how quickly are things coming back down again? How insulin resistant are you? Um, and, and then just, I, I do like to see some ketones. I check mine in the morning just because like you said, I'm fasted. And so that's just a good baseline for me to know. So, um, I think those, those numbers can be helpful if you're looking for weight loss. It's just, it's about pulling those levers and finding which one can you do safely, but not don't, I mean, like my personal, don't pull the lever all the way up to the top or pull the lever all the way down. Like, Right. You know, it's like turning hot water in the shower. Like if your water is too cold in the shower, you don't turn it all the way to hot. You turn it a little bit and then see, is it warm enough yet? Is it turned a little bit more? Is it warm enough yet? You make small adjustments to get the right temperature water for you. You're not just going to be like flipping it completely back and forth. Um, because otherwise it's too hot. It's too cold. Yeah. I mean, all the extremes are not sustainable long-term. Most people that do the lean protein, they do not they cannot do it long-term and the people that do, I guess if they have to do alternate fasting a few times a week, that's really difficult for them too, which means basically they don't eat over probably 32, 36 hours. And they do that several times a week. Maybe if you're first starting and you have a lot of weight, you can do that, but long-term it's very hard to do that too. And I really think if people are honest with themselves and they eat just square meals of the macros, they are need to be eating generally um, and not worry too much about it the weight will come off. Now, if you're eating maybe foods that are heavy cream, for example, and if you're eating a lot of that, you may just stall. And it's because that doesn't have a lot of nutrition and it's very pasteurized. I mean, almost all heavy creams that I see in the stores are ultra pasteurized. So they're not even the regular pasteurized. They're extremely heated. And then they have denatured proteins, which can affect you. And let me say one more thing too about weight loss is that like, if I, I'm saying this because I have done it, if you're losing weight in a manner that is, because I think a lot of people have this mindset of like, well, I'm just going to do it now to lose the weight. And then I'll go back to like something more sustainable. Right, right. I'm telling you because I have done it like recently within this carnivore world in, in the last four years, if you're losing weight in a way that's unsustainable for you long-term, when you try to like go back to some sort of normal you will struggle. It is not that simple of like, oh, I'm just going to do alternate day fasting now and then I'll just turn it off and go back to normal. I gained a ton of weight back by doing that. And then it's taking me the last, so 2018 into beginning of 2019, I lost 120 pounds in 10 months. Like, woohoo, yay. It looks good on my Instagram profile to say that. But I could not keep it off because I lost it in a way that I couldn't live my life like that. And it was right. so extreme that I gained like 50 pounds back over the next year. I mean, I kept it off being extreme. And then I gained back like 50 pounds because I just couldn't live my life like that. It's now taken me a lot longer to lose that weight, but it's, I've also been consistent now for the last two years within like 10 pounds of myself, like for the last two years. And, you know, it doesn't matter if you lose 20 pounds this month, but then you gain 30 back over the next three months because you can't sustain it that way. Right. And you, and you fall off the wagon, just give yourself three months to lose 20 pounds. And then you're way more ahead than you were if you would have done it that way. And I know it is so hard to be patient when it comes to weight loss, but just think about how you've tried it before and have you ever been able to keep it off 
doing it in any type of extreme manner. And maybe this time just try taking it one day at a time and being consistent and just making small adjustments to find a lifestyle that's going to work for you long-term and give yourself six months and just see what happens versus trying another extreme method that is going to end up having you go through that roller coaster again. Recently, I shared that there's a lot of mistruths about carnivore. I had several messages within that post that said, it's so confusing. Everyone says such different things. I don't even know what the truth is. And I only responded to one of them, but I said, you have to find the truth that makes sense for you. So for some people, carnivore is the answer and keto, a keto diet is the answer. For some people, adding fruit is the answer. But the reason why it's confusing is a lot of people are sharing what they have seen work in their world of things. And we just have to find what works for us, right? So even you and I do carnivore differently. I don't I don't do a lot of alternate day fasting. I eat a lot more fat than you do, but it works for us in our history. And so that's where I think the confusion comes is essentially find all the levers that you hear from all the different experts, make sure that they are relatively consistent with their messaging. But it's finding then from what everyone is saying, finding the truth that makes sense for you and the what you can do consistently, what you can do long term and what you see the benefits in. If somebody is sharing something that seems like a fad, like that MCT oil fad or all the other fads that they had, like the lean protein, if those seem to too good to be true that the weight is just melting off, then it probably is something that's too good to be true. If you can't do something long-term, the reason you can't do something long-term is because it's hurting you in some other way. And I see it so much with my clients of, well, now my hair is falling out. Now my hormones are messed up or now something else is happening, or my liver has now become fatty, what's going on, on a carnivore diet. We just have to know that sometimes, or oftentimes, the answer is kind of something that lies in the middle. And while it's the hardest path to take, because it's longer, and it's just being patient and consistent, it's often the answer that we really need that will give us happiness and finally results that will last long term. Yeah, absolutely. I have lived it far too many times. And I, it's still hard for me to tell myself to be patient and just chill out a little bit and take it one day at a time. But I I have to remind myself of that daily. And it's, it's, it's definitely been worth it, but it doesn't mean I don't get impatient still sometimes. Yeah. We're human. We want things tomorrow or yesterday. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's good, right? Yeah. I hope that this clarified some of the confusion around should carnivores have ketones or is it a ketogenic diet? And I think it depends. I think it depends on your needs. Yeah, absolutely. Bye guys. Thanks for tuning in to the cutting against the grain podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please make sure to share and leave us a review and leave any comments and questions on Apple podcasts. We will read and answer your questions and comments on an upcoming podcast episode. This also helps us to share our real talk with more community members. You can also find me on my other podcast, Nutrition with Judy, on all podcast channels. You can also follow my content on Nutrition with Judy's Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter. You can find Carnivore Cure in paperback, ebook, and audio on Amazon. I also have a blog post and weekly newsletter with nutrition and wellness updates. You can sign up at nutritionwithjudy.com. You can find Laura on Instagram at Laura East Bath. You can follow along on her daily stories and see some of her funny skits. You can also find Laura on her YouTube channel where she shares tips on living a meat-based lifestyle. If you're wondering how much meat to eat in a day, week, or month, Laura has you covered. She also shares how to make a perfect sear on a steak and how extended fasting looks like in real life. You can find her YouTube channel by searching Laura's Bath. Thanks again for listening to the Cutting Against the Grain podcast. And remember, make sure to cut against the grain.